The thing is not how you are on your best days, how can you step up on your worst day? What's your, when everything is going terrible, when you're tired, when you're frustrated, when you're edgy, how do you treat other people? Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. Multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. On this episode, we'll go half chat and half interview. We'll begin with the idea of changing your social media consumption to help with your mental health and share some great news about Danielle's own cycle of anxiety and depression. It's good news indeed. And it's off for a visit with Endocanna Health CEO Len May with some amazing advancements in studying cannabis cultivars to help find the plants that will benefit you the most. Here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, Batten down the hatches and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody. Another fine episode of the Drunken Dows podcast, episode 224. All sorts of surprises and exciting adventures today. Another incredibly fine August day here in the torturous weather of Ojai. Might be 80 degrees right now with the breeze. Yeah, not as bad. After a fairly intense summer, it's gotten much more mellow. So I dig that. Savannah, of course, is thinking already, you know, she roams around the house going, winter is coming. Because <laughs> it's anything that's less than 85, she feels like she's about to freeze. But Cambodian jeans and all. Yeah, could be worse. But um, let's say thank you to some sweet folks helping us out, starting with grasslandbeef.com for being amazing to us and keeping us well fed. Check out the website grasslandbeef.com, see if they have anything that may fit in your freezer at the moment. They have all sorts of really high-quality products. I personally vouch for them, love them, and eat them all the time. So check it out, grasslandbeef.com. Also, thank you to Sure Design T-shirts for supporting us more or less since day one. Love them deeply. So if you want some funky-looking, beautiful T-shirts with the wildest designs on earth, Sure Design T-shirt is your spot. Well, speaking of grassland, loosely related but kind of, I want to give a shout-out to occultherbsandtonics.com. Again, occultherbsandtonics.com. They make... Um, they make these amazing mixes of uh, dried up herbs. Uh, they take, rather than just having your oregano and rosemary or whatever, they mix it up in ways that, man, those guys are good. That's some serious good food alchemy going on. Well, so, there's got to be some magic in there with the occult. Exactly. So check them out. And their designs are pretty funny. You know, they are, uh, if you have a seriously fundamentalist grandma, she may not approve, but for everybody else, it's it's hilarious. <laughs> for people that are out to enjoy things. Yeah. Oh, speaking of enjoy, thank Ooh. you to Home Cellars Ooh. and MaterraWines.com. Both of them make some of the best wines you can think of if they have been generous enough to share with me. So I'm a fan. 
Uh, if you guys shop on Amazon, please use our Amazon link. It deeply helps. And uh, now let's get to the part where we say thank you to those of you who are brave enough to part with your hard-earned money to support us. Sweet. Let the pottering begin. Thank you to Aistis Giusca, John Vergara, Nicola Togni, Joseph Lord, Ed and Carrie O, Samuele Rudelli, Jim D'Amico, Joseph Lord, Stephen Rastos, sorry, Stephen Rados, Donald Chip Witten and Lane Raper. Uh, keep in mind when you donate that usually we are a couple of weeks behind from when we record when it happens, so if you do in between, it usually goes to the next episode. But yeah, if you want to join this brave band of heroes who are sweet enough to support us, paypal.me forward slash dbolelli, or you can just paypal at just my email address that works just the same. So we deeply, deeply appreciate your support. Um, anything else we need to throw out there or we can hop into the episode? Thank you, Daisy House, for the amazing theme music. Yes, always. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we'll see you on the other side. That's it. interesting conversation a few days ago that really shined a light on something that I think a lot of people go through. I was talking to a guy, very, very smart guy, and yet some of the stuff that he was saying was like, have you ever been introduced to the two plus two equal concept? Because we were talking about it, his mood essentially, because he was telling me, man, I've been really depressed for the last year or two. And I'm like, really, that's how come what's going on? And he's saying, I was like, is it more stuff going on with you specifically, family, friends, your work? Is it more state of the world kind of thing? And he's like, oh, it's very much state of the world. And I'm like, okay, um, how does it, you know, I start asking questions. And what become obvious is that he, seriously study because he wants to understand what's going on around us both politically and in many other issues he seriously study what's out there he listened to many of the voices precisely that you know doing the stuff that intellectually is probably a good thing to do listening to different voices see their point of view do all that the problem is that from the time he woke up to the time he goes to sleep. Voices in his head constantly. Voices in his head that are highly frustrating because they are mostly dealing with problems that he has no way to affect in any way, shape or form. Yeah. And he sees a lot of people who are pushing hateful, terrible ideas, who are making millions in doing so. And I'm like, hmm and you feel depressed how do we see a connection there maybe that consuming all day long this kind of stuff and again i'm not saying it's a bad like i understand why you're doing it i are share the motivations i get it like you're you're not it's not like you're an idiot or you're i get it but at the same time it's like is the result a surprise at that point yeah, you can turn that poison nozzle off yeah like today i had uh, i got a perfect personal vibe of that right somebody actually we had him as a former guest do you remember marcus kowal uh marcus said um poor 
like fantastic guy, but man, what a terrible story. He had this toddler getting killed oh, by a yeah. drunk driver. Yeah. And, um, you know, incredible considering as everything he has been through. Wow. Like crazy ability to respond to shitty cards handed by life. But like, so I see this thing that pops up on my Instagram that, um, you know, his wife for, he now has two kids and his oldest kid is going to the first day of school. It's like five years old, six years old, whatever it is, right? And his oldest kid has a pretty wild look, right? His hair is all wild and crazy and almost dreadlocky and uh, whatever. It's like it's a kid having fun, right? Yeah. There are probably, on uh, Marco's wife's post, there are probably 10 to 15 different people, all women, incidentally, but like all of them commenting, what's wrong with you? Cut your kid's hair. That look gross. You need to cut it. Uh, poor kid. That's going to be horrible. And it's just kind of like, never mind the fact that when in the universe did you think it was a good idea to go commenting on people's kids on their private post on Instagram and you decide that it's uh, not only you're fucking weird because you got this hateful judgmental response but even if you do because maybe you're like ah that's kind of weird i wouldn't do that that's fine what prompts you to voice it and put yeah. it out there what right do you have see that's where we are right now everybody thinks their fucking opinion so important and they're gonna fix the world what changes if this kid cuts his fucking hair and how do you give a single yeah. shit about it? Why does it affect how you? How dare and, you? And the good old thing, like if you can't say something nice, shut the fuck about, up. Exactly. But here is what it was, because aside from the obvious, which is these people suck. Yeah. They are horrible people. But like the other side of it is that I saw this one thing and man, I was pissy for three hours after that and not consciously remembering that this was about but just being reminded that these are the people that I share oxygen with. There are hateful, judgmental, and kind of shit, even to a five-year-old kid, yeah. bother me about the state of the world, bothers me about life, bothers me about... And so then I realized, of course, if I let myself go to places where I see this stuff more than once a day, three months down the road, there's no chance in hell I'm not gonna be feeling ultra depressed. <laughs> Rich is uh, taking a peek because uh, you got a neck tattoo. Yeah, Savannah decide every once in a while. That's just wild, man. Both Savannah and these primarily Why is Savannah. It a cactus? I have no idea. I wish I could tell you that's the weird tattoo she has put on me in these last few days. Oh wait, now I haven't had my one. THC today, but I can. The the other days, at one point, she called me and uh, she got the reply that I don't think she ever expected, which was like, "Sorry, sweetie, give me a minute. Savannah is applying a temporary tattoo to my penis." So that was something. But yeah, in any case, so yeah, at this moment, I'm sporting a neck tattoo. Wait till the people at school find about this dick tattoo. Right. But um How can you raise children with a dick tattoo? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. And I think that's where it is. Like to me, aside for what other people do, yeah, there are shitty people in the world. Okay, we know that. Whatever. That's not much I can do about it. But like what I can do about it is how much of this shit do I wanna consume on any single day? Man, ever since I saw that thing, because it really bugged me about humanity. 
the number of fluffy puppy videos that I clicked on has been extra high just to balance it out, just to start feeling. And on plenty of days when I click, whether they are fluffy puppies or whatever the hell makes you happy to bring you a smile. Jumpy kittens are not bad either. Totally. You spook a little cat and watch it bounce around for 10 seconds. Pretty good. And you do, you click on enough of those to that before your day even begins, you, are, you smile 10 times. Got your shield up. That gets your chemicals going in a different kind of way. That gets you going in a way where you're like, okay, this life doesn't suck. And and I really feel that we are too lax about stuff like that. You know, we how much emphasis do we put? It's like, oh, you need to eat well. You need to do this. You need to, like, all things that are healthy habits for life to feel good about life in other ways. But when it comes to what you consume through your brain we don't see that as an issue and it's like it's a big fucking issue that's look at where we're at right and look what it wouldn't look what made it happen right and so that's where i'm like social media can be used in ways that i can actually make you make you even feel better about life if you do it in a certain way which is a very delicate game considering that 90 percent of what you're gonna run out there is you know hateful crap so you got to dance around a whole lot of that to get to things instead that put you in a good mood that make you feel hopeful about life that teach you how to grow a tomato that uh, make you laugh at a funny joke that you know do that kind of stuff our tomatoes are outstanding right now yeah big exactly. fatties yeah 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 i'm oh kind of toward God. the end of the season i but i harvested Still, plenty it's glorious isn't it yeah fantastic yeah man time for the internet to go away yeah I mean we didn't use it properly Remember that's never gonna arrived, happen we're gonna have the combined knowledge I know we'd never get rid of it but we're gonna get rid of each other so, so I think the other approach is make conscious choices yeah. about what you consume that way because they do make a difference you know we are gonna be throughout the day so since nobody's gonna turn back the clock to the year whatever your favorite year happens to be I think the next best choice is probably choose what you consume. I think 1992. 1992 is yours. Yeah. That's was, the one. Things were spinning in pretty fantastic way at that point. Yeah. yeah. And there was no internet. Yeah. There were yeah. barely cell phones. Yeah. Dumb. So that's one thing. On um, Oh, and speaking of depression, so check this out. <laughs> no, this is actually good. It's weird. I was noticing, I was noticing recently that it has been probably about a year, maybe last September, October at the latest, where I had another one of these cycles just mm-hmm. violently kicking me in the balls. And it's weird because I've had the cycles for the past eleven years on a regular, and uh, you know, horrendously bad, then just bad, then kind of horrendously bad, then, you know, back and forth on these, but on a regular. And in these 11 years, I've had plenty of fantastic moments. I enjoyed life despite all of it, but it's still been, it's like running with a 500 pound weight tied to your ankles, you know, it's like, can you do it? Sure, but fuck, it's hard sometimes, you know, you feel this, uh, heaviness you feel the fact that like one the feeling that i had the most was this feeling of uh, really walking on thin ice that i could be having the greatest day and any minute something could happen i 
maybe I didn't even know what happened and all of a sudden I'm feeling physically shitty I'm feeling mentally throws me into anxiety and depression and then get stuck there and you get stuck there because then of course it's bad enough that you feel it but then you also get the whole anxiety that kicks in as a result of it which then magnifies the effects and it becomes this vicious circle right and I've done that so many times and I've lived like that so much that this past year where it hardly happened in the last 11, 12 months, I'm like, holy shit, it's actually possible to live like this where I don't have to feel like the ice can crack any second and I'm there gasping for breath any minute. Whew, that feels good. Now, the second I said that, that was like two weeks ago or something, my body <laughs> went through. cracking. Kind of, but the response was different. It was interesting. It's like I had, um, it happens to me once in a while, and I'm guessing his emotions. I don't know, because I've done all sort of blood work, nothing came up, you know. But like, I'll wake up, my head hurts, um, I start digesting stuff in a crappy way, I feel off, I'm nauseous. And the headache doesn't go away for like a week, right? It's always there. You know, you take uh, Advil, you feel better for a few hours, but, you know, you're back to square one. Fatigue like crazy. Like I feel like my eyes are like retracting into my skull, kind of like that deep fatigue that I feel like behind my eyes kind of feeling. Wow. With headache, nausea, poor digestion, the whole deal, right? And this time, and of course, when it happens, you freak out because you're like, first, you're physically miserable, which makes it kind of hard to be in a good mood uh, otherwise. And then you start thinking, it's like, why the hell do I, what's going on with my body? Why is this happening? What's the, and of course, that generates anxiety and all sorts of other stuff. But, uh, but this last time, too, like my reaction was nearly as bad as it used to be. And so while I, in an ideal world, I would like not to have this reaction, this effect, period, getting through it, feeling it happened before. I don't know why it's still happening, but whatever, it fucking happens. That's just how it is. Deal with it. You're going to go through a miserable week, but give it X number of days. You're going to be out on the other side and it's going to be fine. So play video games, take a couple of Advils if you have to relax and... Is already different from going into deep, dark, oh my God, the universe is about to crush me and everything I cherish will be destroyed kind of vibe, you know? Ah, that's coming anyway. And, uh, but, you know, it's different to think that it happens at any given second kind of thing. And so that's um, on the long road through some time, depression and things like that, I guess that's good news because... Um, I have been feeling a lot better overall. Like, and I don't know <laughs> if I was, uh, but uh, if I now have read so many of these stories with people who are like, I was in the deepest, uh, darkest pit of hell, but then, and I, then had happy uh, I did this, and now let me sell you for $49.95 my complete program on the seven steps to get out of depression and anxiety or whatever the fuck, right? I think what happens is, I don't know, maybe it works like that for some people, like that they have a very clear line of uh, what they think the process has been to go from point A to point B. Maybe it works like that for people. doesn't work like that for me. I never had that experience of, like, I can't tell you now, why is it that I feel better now that I felt uh, a year ago or that I felt uh, five years ago? 
what things have I done that have led? Oh, I Wim Hof breathing, uh, took psychedelics, did this, did that. The reality is like, I've done a lot of things, none of them, not a single one that I felt has really been like overwhelmingly and dramatically different in changing how I feel. But it always lifted. And there are many, many, many things that probably did 0.5%. So it's hard to go back and go like, like if I were to tell somebody else, if you were to tell me of five years ago, it's like, oh, you should do A, B, and C. Even right now, I would have no idea what to say because I don't know what A, B, and C were that made a difference. Clearly something made a difference eventually somehow, but I don't really understand uh, that journey. Like, I, I don't know how to break it down in a way that uh, seems to be kind of the popular way to, or to have, like, the, this was the solution to all my problems. I never found that. I ever, ever. I still change, but I don't know how, <laughs> which leaves it. Uh, I wish I did, because I think that would help a bunch of people, but I, I have no idea how. Did you never rub the crystal I brought you on your nipples? What the hell? There's that 0.5%. Oh, good. good, good. You know? It's like, no, again, there's a lot of things that I think does make a difference, but it's so small in the great scheme of things that by itself is not doing shit. It's that plus 10,000 other things that probably makes a difference. Well, we are incredibly complex. That's... Yeah, that's understatement of the century, right? Yeah. That's like seriously... That's how we are. Really how we are. Yeah. And we try to make it simple and just smile. You'll be fine. But it's not the way it works. I think, but that's why it's appealing because we all would like a clear cut, nice, simple, three-step <sighs> program. That's how all self-help is built, right? The 12 steps to the seven paths, all that kind of stuff. Clearly mapped out for how to go from A to B. And again, I hear it from enough people that maybe it does work for them or maybe they are just good salesmen. I don't know. One of the two. But I hear really did not work like that for me. I was even talking pleasantly with somebody the other day who mentioned uh, she was, uh, she practiced jujitsu, but she was saying, um, you know, all this bro science of just go to the gym and do jujitsu and it's better than therapy maybe not and i agree with her i mean of course there's a bunch of shit that no it's that's not gonna be the solution to all your problems because you sweat four times a week you know that's on the other end i was like well therapy didn't do shit for me either in multiple ways a psychedelic therapy didn't do shit for me like i can go down the list of like 50 things that really didn't make that much of a difference for me that are supposed to work so my damn uh, lifting weights and doing jujitsu, I wouldn't suggest it as that's the solution to the problem. That's not the solution to jack shit. But it has brought me those moments of respite that almost nothing else has. So while I wouldn't advertise it as uh, the perfect solution to all your problems, in lacking other things that are the solution to all my problems, I'll take what I can get. Any harbor in the storm. So it's like a little bit better than nothing. And uh, and I think that's, uh, I think she agreed, you know, that's a fair way to go about it. It's like, of course, there are some benefits. Uh, we would like the benefits to be deeper and bigger, but what the, it's kind of what you were just saying, the complexity is that what works for you and you do that one thing and it clicks everything, I do the same thing, doesn't do shit. 
And that times the fact that the tangle that you've created is yours alone. Exactly. Well. And it could be some silly thing that happened to you when you were six. Yep. That planted the seed. Yep. yep. Bad yep. events times this and that and your own focus. Yep. The way you analyze things. I don't know. It's all a grand mystery, luckily. Right. Even after the fact is a mystery. Even after you go from point A to point B, sometimes you're like, how the hell did I end up here? You know? How did I get here? It's like the Zen koan of uh, there's a duck inside a glass bottle. How do you get the duck out without breaking the bottle? Which, of course, is physically impossible. So, you know, you can come up with any scenario and there's not a way in which that's going to work. And live. And, and live, of course. Oh, yeah, okay. He needs to be alive. You could cook him. And, and, you know. uh, and I think if that the Zen quote-unquote answer is it's already out, which of course is frustrating because it's like, no, it's not out, motherfucker, it's right there. But when you are, when suddenly something clicks and you have gone to point B, it does feel like, oh, it's out. But wait, I got distracted for a second and it was inside a glass bottle. How, how the hell is it out now? And mystery of life, right? Is uh, oh, are we here to suffer? Is that the lesson? I don't know. There's a lot of that. I would like to reduce that lesson to the minimum possible ever. You would, would think be... it would not be the lesson. Yeah, I mean, from what you hear from some folks, that the lesson is to be kind to others. But yeah. the people who believe that most seem to execute it the least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of the funny things, speaking of angry stuff that I try to stay away from, but in these days has been hard. I ran into a lot of, those ones I found comical, a lot of the discussion over the $10,000 student loan forgiveness thing. Motherfucker. Now, here's what I find funny. Every single day, the government wastes ungodly amounts of money on anything that you can think of under the sky, right? Yep. From uh, the $10,000 hammer for the military to the all sort of things that just make no sense whatsoever and there's not a peep. But like one time where the $10,000 will be used for something that actually helps some people, a yep. bunch of people are pissed off. And I'm like, I get it that that's not a solution to predatory lending. I get it that there should be things that are they go deeper that should address the root causes of this issue and this is just putting a little bandage on a much bigger issue. I get all that. We agree there. Yep. But it's still a bandage that make a few thousands or millions of people feel millions. better. Of all the things you can get pissed off about, why this one? Because me, you know? me, me, right. me, 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 me. But even that, me, you, me, me, it's me, like me. you're getting robbed regularly yep. of your tax money for horrendously shitty things on a daily basis. Yep. Why would you be mad about one time when your tax money actually benefits somebody? You know, it's like, it's mind-blowing. There's a song, by the way, I have to send your way. Um, Hip-hop artist I did a podcast with has this song that starts... Uh, how does it go? It's like... Uh, the first line, I'm butchering it right now, but it's something along the lines like, uh, my tax money just killed another kid today. <laughs> and then... Uh, it, that was bri- that was some seriously good writing. Like the whole song was brilliantly written. Nino bless. I'll try to post a link to the YouTube video in the episode notes. You know, I'll put it in right here. We should, yeah. Let's do that. There, it just went.
Let me double down, there's no time to fold. Hold down those that don't got a home, cause the stock's low and goes down. So the whole village is a zone for drones to go black. Bombs are so loud, mom's alone, the child has not been found. The house survived by fire, you never even hear a sobbing hit. I swear this is the story that you gotta hit. Cause all the money is so that we gotta say. And that's a parent. What can you say to the parents who slave, discourage, and make them burn? They face disappearing. You enslaved to your parents. Praying your post gets framed or they share it. Life is a peachy when you care less. How your earrings got them carrots. Who cares when they glaring, staring? And that's a pun thanks to NSA surveillance. No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. I, you know, I know people that um, I know people very close to me that benefited from that, mm -hmm. and they're going to enter into their new lives together, unburdened. Yeah, and there's no problem with that. I think my favorite meme was, um, you know, Jesus died for your sins. Well, that's you're in debt to him. Thought type. How is that fair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that one. Yeah, I think is. And the PPP money that they handed out to these millionaires? Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. No problem with that. That's actually the first time in the longest time that I see something coming out of the White House that I find funny. Yeah. Which is uh, every single day the White House in the last couple of days has been going on uh, congressmen who have been bitching about it. Yep. And then they tweet. $462,000. You got pardon, like... Yeah, $800,000 on your PPP loan and you're bitching about, oh, these people who uh, don't repay their stuff. And it's just like, I don't know, man. And again, regardless of the economics of it all, I find it so tasteless to bitch about something that helps a few people. It's like there are, you want to bitch about that? I may, even, I don't, but let's say I understand and I agree. There are probably 5,732 things to bitch about before that are bigger, more important, and more um, affects more dramatically without benefiting anyone other than three people at the top. Mm -hmm. Why this one? You know, so that because I found, oil companies uh, deserve to pay no taxes on their multi-billion dollar profits. Yeah, it's a strange, uh, it's a strange, strange mental process at play, to say the least. I was listening to a podcast about how horrific our medical system works oh, yeah. and they just took about 20 of the sort of major players mm -hmm. of which there's like 15,000 different companies that suction off mm -hmm. and just that little collection itself 180 billion dollars in profits oh, yeah. so that's money that passes through doesn't heal anybody no. and goes into some motherfucker's pocket and we sit and we're okay with that? There's, um, if you guys have never heard, I don't remember the title, but like Dan Carlin did a beautiful common sense podcast several years back that kind of really broke down the healthcare system in US and yeah. he did it in a very analytical way, just going step by step on what the problems are, why it's not delivering in terms of result, why it costs more than in other nations and delivers less, and all of those. It's really, really well done. So I should remember, I can't remember the title right now. But in any case, so my takeaway from the day is uh, really think about what you put in your brain, more even than thinking about what you put in your... Don't get me wrong, what you put in your stomach, what you do to work out, all that stuff, all important stuff. 
but what you put in your brain holy hell that's powerful somehow you think that you are impervious to the result of whatever you consume on a daily maybe i'm just a little bitch and i'm overly sensitive about stuff but i know i'm not i know it affects my mood in dramatic ways it clearly leaves so. residue okay last thing i want to throw out there on the um, speaking i'm <laughs> slightly overly in touch with my feminine side Ooh, um this is the tattoo stuff again yes no it's and again feminine side is bullshit because of course everybody's made of completely opposite things but stereotypically according to popular stereotype what's considered the feminine side i cry at pretty much any movie you'll ever show me i'll find something where all of a sudden i'm all teary-eyed and moved by something i'm like isn't this beautiful so you're absolutely right when you brought up uh, reservation dogs i was uh first two episodes of you know i talked so much about reservation dogs season one loved it we had sterling on the show season two started and i felt like what in the actual fuck is happening because i saw the first two episodes and just hated them flat out you know i didn't find them funny i f- didn't find them dramatic in a good way i just found them really flat and i was like what the hell they seem to be flailing what's for going sure on there episode three was interesting what's got in there you know and then episode four holy shit episode four season two reservation dog so emotionally power it's a masterpiece yeah emotionally beautiful sweet uh, two people that needed each other to save each other adorable absolutely yeah. and that actually i think where you're going with that one is episode three which is great is the oh you the, mean when, when they wouldn't when they wouldn't okay episode four is entirely this uh, one set up in um there's somebody's grandma is dying yes. and it's all native community getting together in this house kind of going through the process of these ladies she's going to be taking her last breath so you see every character in the show is in the house they are all interacting. They are all interacting with this lady who's there enemies, going on her enemies journey. Enemies are truced while and they go through it all together. Yeah, the dynamics are fantastic. The humor is hilarious. The yeah. drama is beautiful, beautiful episode. So if you have a half hour to spare, episode four, season two, Reservation Dogs is masterpiece. And the finish. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, the whole thing is... So that was really, really good. And because I've been a negative uh, bullshitting about stuff things, uh, I wanted to remark on the other end that there's the other side of it, which was fantastic. And of course, Savannah was just cracking up because I was all teary-eyed for like half hour afterwards because I'm like, isn't this moving? And I do that with everything, man. It's funny. It's, and I like it. I like the, like, I would, the day that I stop being sensitive to stuff is a day that I'm probably less happy about enjoying life on Earth. Why does that have to be marked as your feminine side? I know, though? right? It's exactly... How about your human side? That's a, I think that's exactly... You nail it perfectly on the head. Because uh, you know, I wouldn't want to exist without that side. That's why when I use the word quote-unquote feminine like that, I'm purely using it in the sense of how people use common stereotypes. You know, man, macho, tough, determined, gets shit done, feels nothing, and is emotionally dead. Woman, sensitive, nurturing, cry if you go boo and uh, can get shit done and can make up their mind on anything. When in actuality, some women are the toughest bitches you'll ever meet in your whole life. And the thing is, 
everybody who's a halfway decent human being is a mix of opposites. Yes. Right? And we should, so that's why Sort of like some symbol you might recognize. Right? That's crazy yin-yang concept, right? That's exactly where I'm going with it. So I I use that word purely in terms of how popular stereotypes are used, not because I actually believe that that's what's uh, feminine and that's masculine. It's like they're different energies and we all need them and they make life better because we develop all of them. So kiss whoever the fuck you want to, with permission. Today we're sponsored by Shortform. Shortform offers a service where you can get summaries and analysis of uh, many of the books you want to check out, but maybe you haven't had time to do so. The goal of this is twofold. On one hand, it helps you remember key lessons from books you have read, but it has been too long and you forgot half of it. And the other one is that it helps you discover new books that you may want to check out, but you're not sure about whether it's the time investment and energy investment beforehand. So this gives you a sneak peek on what you can expect. The quality of the summaries is, uh, this is not your cousin Joe barely knows how to read those telling you what he read last week. There are professional authors, PhDs. These are some of the folks writing these summaries and analysis. Shortform publishes new book guides and articles every week, and the subscribers get to vote on what books are going to be covered next. Shortform summaries are about non-fiction, because of course fiction you want to read it for the style, for the pleasure, for everything else associated with it. With non-fiction, sometimes it really boils down to ideas and concepts that have uh, actionable items there. For example, if you read a book about health, You may read it for fun, but you're also reading it because you want to learn some things that you can apply to your life. Same goes for self-improvement or finance or some of this genre. So while reading the full book, obviously there's no substitute for that. Having the summary and analysis can help you retain some of these ideas and uh, get a feel for if something that you do want to read the book cover to cover. Case in point, I just checked out a short-form summary of Guns, Germs, and Steel, which is a fantastic book. I read it a couple of times. Very revolutionary approach to history. But honestly, I read it the last time was probably 10 years ago. I don't remember 90% of it. So to have something where I can go back and quickly I can get all the key points... Uh, The author of the summary did a phenomenal job because they had uh, some of the counterpoints that have been since made by critics of the book and how Jared Diamond, the author, addressed them. So you really get, in a very short time, a sense of what the book is about, what are the key ideas, what's the debate surrounding the book. That's as good as it gets. Gets you through a lot of dinner parties that way. So in light of that, to get a five days of unlimited access and an additional 20% discount on the annual subscription, join Shortform through our link shortform.com forward slash drunken. Again, that's shortform.com forward slash drunken. You get a five-day free trial and a 20% annual discount.
All right, it's time for us to switch over and join EndoCannaHealth CEO Len May via Zoom for a fascinating chat about studying cannabis DNA to find out which cultivars will benefit you the most. Here we go. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, here we roll with Mr. Len May. Who you are, what do you do, the 60 seconds version? No, not 60 seconds, I'm joking, but you know, it's like, tell me all about your life now. Well, I was born in Lithuania, which is true. And I immigrated to the U.S., but it, we'll, we'll fast forward uh, through all that stuff uh, to get to the point where I'm a kid in class who has a bunch of different windows that pop into my head. And uh, when a teacher calls on me, I was dr- daydreaming. So at some point in my teens, I was diagnosed with ADD and I was put on all kinds of prescription medication. And, uh, you know, some of the work to help me focus, but it all took away my soul. Like I, I had no feeling, it was just kind of a zombie state. And uh, I was hanging out with some older kids and they asked me if I wanted to smoke a cigarette. I'm like, yeah, sure, I'm smoking, it's cool, I'm smoking a cigarette with my uh, older friends. And uh, I find it peculiar that now thinking back, they only have one cigarette. So we got around the circle and they passed around one cigarette I took a, and I dabbled a little bit before and I took a drag and I inhaled it, kind of coughed and like, it doesn't really taste like a cigarette. They're laughing at me. So I went and took another drag and uh, started feeling a little bit weird. And they're laughing. And basically they told me that they put cannabis in a cigarette. So I went back to class and the windows that are in my head sort of narrowed and I could focus. And I was like, oh, well, this is interesting. So eventually I gave up all my prescription medication and cannabis became my medicine. But I had no idea that it was medicine for anybody else. So uh, my parents used to catch me all the time. And uh, anyway, at some point, they ended up kicking me out of the house, actually calling the cops to have me arrested. Uh, But the irony of this, that they consume formulations that I make now uh, with (laughs) cannabis. So it kind of came. Now you're a hero. Okay, gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's the hero's journey, right? Yes. (laughs) That's exactly it. So, um, I was, went to a music festival and there was uh, these kids uh, that had, were registering people to vote and they were called the Cannabis Action Network. Uh, so I was asking, what are you guys doing? They're like, yeah, hey, we're trying to legalize. I'm like, how are you doing it? We're getting people to register. So I became the president of the Cannabis Action Network. I held a rally at Independence Hall in Philadelphia uh, with- uh, Benjamin with Franklin says, free the weed. Is. Uh, all in hemp paper, by the way. And my keynote speaker was this woman named Elvie Masika, who was uh, one of the first people to get federally prescribed cannabis for her glaucoma. And she had this jar with a USDA label, a lit up her joint. I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Next morning, everybody stayed in my house. We got woken up to a crash. Um, I was dating this girl who was a sculptor. And Elvie happened to walk into the sculpture and break into pieces. She felt really bad, but she couldn't see it. So when she started medicating with cannabis, she was able to see it. I still wearing glasses and everything. So I'm like, wow, this is medicine for other people as well. So then uh, my ex-wife kind of made me go into uh, uh, get a real job and go into corporate. So I was working for this company called Price Waterhouse and some other companies. And I moved to Los Angeles. My passion was still trying to figure out what I can do with cannabis. So I got involved in the dispensary business. And one of the things that uh, I started noticing is why two people can consume the same cultivar or strain as somebody refers to them and have a completely different experience. So I became obsessed over trying to find that. I came across a video by a guy named Kevin McKernan, 
who was the first person he claimed that genetically sequenced cannabis. And uh, so met him, long story, a little bit longer that uh, I got involved with a company called Medicinal Genomics on the plant genetic side. So I would go around to different cultivators, get plant material samples, extract the DNA, sequence it, and we can see what is going on with the actual names of these cultivars. And uh, <clears throat> then the parent company was a pharmacogenomics company. So what they did was genetic testing for different diseases like cancer, epilepsy, autism. So I was just like, we have plant genetics here. We have human genetics here. Let's bring those two together. They closed down the human side, wanted to focus on the plant. So I got lucky. I grabbed some uh, scientific minds with me and launched Endocana Health in 2017. So the overall goal was to research every single what's called a single nucleotide polymorphism, a SNP, every single SNP that is, which is basically a gene that has direct or indirect association with the endocannabinoid system. Once we did that, we approached a company called Illumina that makes genetic sequencing equipment, and we asked them to make a custom chip for us. So we basically genotype 675,000 different SNPs or, or genetic markers that are directly or indirectly associated with the endocannabinoid and the idea is to help people navigate through what I would uh, what I would say are like potholes in the road or like sharp corners to mitigate the it. possible expression of your <laughs> or your genetic predispositions, uh, so you can uh, have a more optimal experience with uh, your cannabis use. So looking at what you should take, how much you should take based on your metabolic function, and then also where do you get the product and measure the efficacy of those. So in a nutshell, that's sort of what we do today. Uh, we just finalized our validation of whole genome sequencing. So we're going to be moving to the entire genome and really personalized precision medicine. So yeah, rather than uh, smoking about 3,000 different strains and then doing edibles of those 3,000 different strains because it's different and then finding out the results have something that kind of cut the guesswork involved and go for the stuff that's more likely to, to click with you right away. Sweet, I dig it. And, uh, and so that uh, you turned that into your job. I dig that a lot. It's a passion uh, more than a job because, you know, we work with a lot of people who have illnesses and I know it's like federally is still, uh, you know, schedule one, but people come in, unfortunately, as a last resort sometimes. And we have people that are given six months to live with cancer and they live six years. And I'm not saying this is a panacea. Sure, of course. Cure all. But the one thing that I'm trying to convey to people is that if grandma Mary, uh, you know, wants to consume some cannabis and all of a sudden she has a bad experience in her first time, not only is she not going to consume it again, but she's also going to tell everybody else in her circle, stay away from devil's lettuce. Of so course. That's what we're trying to do. No, that makes perfect sense because it's through how individual chemistry plays a role into this because people always think like uh, substance X is good or bad, substance Y is good or bad, when the reality is that save for a few things that are clearly bad for everybody or save for a few things that are mild enough that they are okay for everybody, most stuff it's much more complicated than that. Like I notice for myself, I notice like if I... If I consume cannabis by smoking, I don't think I've ever had a bad experience. With a bad, clearly, some strains click a lot better with me than others, but I never had a bad experience. 
if I consume cannabis through edibles, I've never had a good experience, like not once. And uh, I've tried it with, to a degree that was hilarious where I would add like maybe one milligram a day just to find that sweet spot. And I would go from feeling absolutely nothing to one day I had one milligram extra and it's way too much. And so I was like, whoa, that's the processing through my liver, the processing through the stomach, all of that really doesn't agree with me in uh, THC consumption. Whereas through smoking, which theoretically is a less healthy thing, because, you know, any kind of burning going through your lungs is not as ideal, it works way better for me. And I'm like, huh, look at that. And then I see other people and they do edibles and they are perfectly happy. And I'm like, huh, that's uh, that's a weird one right there. Yeah, we'll, we'll dive into that in more detail, but there's a couple of reasons for this. So when, and you just hit the nail on the head, anything that you take through your liver, your liver converts things to other substances and other metabolites. But when you consume cannabis through your first pass, THC is converted to something called 11-oxyhydroxide. So then it goes back into your bloodstream, then it binds to your CB1 receptor, and it can be five to 50 times more powerful than THC. And it's a different type of substance. So it's like a body high. It's completely different and it lasts longer. And also, the, it, you also mentioned uh, metabolic function, right? So how you metabolize, what are the different uh, ways that you have your own personalized enzymes, that plays a role in your experience as well. So by, by bypassing your first pass, you're getting... A yeah. THC that's directly into your bloodstream. And it doesn't have to be combustible through sure. smoking or vaping. Of course. You can do it sublingually under your mm -hmm. tongue. You can do it buccally through your, your buccal cavity. But yeah, as long as you avoid your liver, you, you're absolutely correct. That sounds excellent. So to play, let's do this. I'm going to pull up. I uploaded my 23andMe results into your website, and then I got all the results from... Uh, the analysis. So I'm going to pull that up, share the screen with you so you can go over the results with me and see what's up. So let's pull that up. First, it was funny because I noticed there's a report overview where, are you able to see the screen on your end? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where it was pretty hilarious because I saw so many things that were spot on personality wise. Because, you know, it analyzes, I think, like whether you are more or less likely to get PTSD, how you react to stress, uh, whether you are impulsive or not, uh, whether you are more likely to have digest certain digestive issues or not, certain dependency on certain chemicals or not. And it was pretty spot on, like things that I'm like, oh, I have zero tendency toward uh, dependency on these. And in fact, the test would say, yep, none whatsoever. Other things that I do have personality-wise, they would show up. So I was like, how do they know this? Why are they spying me? But apparently <laughs> DNA is a, is a sneaky traitor who has been revealing all my information. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny about DNA, though, because people get freaked out. Like, oh, you're going to clone us and all that stuff. If you were that important, you know, somebody would already uh, clone you and we don't yeah. have to get, get <laughs> I would be down if you clone me. Hell, I have so much stuff to do me in any too, given man. day. But... If you want to clone, uh, make 10 of me. Five. Yeah, I would I, be. I, I do the work of 10 people. Exactly. The, the, then you got to the kill them all. The yeah. interesting thing with DNA is that I think people don't understand the DNA is your genetic predisposition, mm -hmm. right? So it doesn't mean that it's going to express. I, I find all these kind of uh, results and tests to be empowering right. because now that I know something about me, I can take action. So when you're mm -hmm. born, you know, you have your DNA from both of your parents, your mother, your father, <clears throat> and you can have 
certain snips that are uh, that are from you know half from your five. It doesn't necessarily have to be half and half. You can have more from one parent than the other, but some of that encoding is already turned on, right? So when you're born, you know, for your predisposition, your skin color, your eye color, your hair color, all these different things are on. The other things are encoded, but your lifestyle, you have the power to turn those on and off. Of course. But without knowledge of what you have, how would you know what you want to turn on or off? So that's the epigenetic response. Mm -hmm. And the way that it happens is you have messenger RNA that, that sends those packets of information and says, create these proteins, et cetera. And that's the way the expression is. So on off switches and some things we want to make sure that we keep off. We have a predisposition to something negative. So this is, this is the idea behind uh, the uh, endo DNA test is to guide people to a more personalized experience. The way that it works is you have, and we'll, we'll go through your results. Uh, it's color coded on a summary. So basically green means that there is no variant detected, means that there is no genetic risk associated with that symptomatic condition as it associates to any literature that it currently exists. Uh, the yellow means that there is a variant. So there is a study that has that specific RSAD, that SNP that's associated with that symptomatic condition. And red means there's multiple variants. So it could be an exponentially higher chance. And I think also, it would be important for people to understand that 99.9% .9 of us are the same. It's a 0.1% that makes all the difference in the world, and that's our genotype. Right. And the variant is our degree of either more than or less than the general population. So I wanted to kind of express that first uh, so we have uh, you know the understanding of the nomenclature. Perfect. Let's scroll all the way up because I'm curious about the... Uh, so the way the report set up, because people can't see it. It has symptomatic conditions, and there's a dashboard before you got into the results. The dashboard gets your health profile, so we get a baseline, so we can measure against baseline. It also looks at drug interactions. What if you're taking prescription medication? Is there an interaction between that and another substance? And then you could build your own personalized wellness plans based on those symptomatic conditions. So it's you have the symptomatic condition. Within that, you have the individual reports. And like, for instance, uh, you know, we're showing stress reactivity as red. So, and it says variant detected. Maybe we can click on the variant detected and sort of describe the report. And I'll try to put the piece of the puzzle together uh, for you. And, and I don't know this to be true. I'm mm -hmm. just kind of reading the tea leaves, right? Sure. So every single report gives you the definition of symptomatic condition. Then it gives you a summary of findings. So this one says, overall, your endocannabinoid system genotype is associated with higher stress reactivity. And this can raise your risk of developing an anxiety disorder. So it's on your monitor for symptoms of high anxiety, practice stress-reducing techniques, and seek professional help if you really feel that it's impacting your life. It's going to give you a ratio of cannabinoids and terpenes, and I'll explain that in a little bit, but let's scroll down a little bit to the science so I can uh, kind of associate uh, that. Uh, the gene that is being looked at is called FA, so fatty acid amide hydrolase. And the reason why this gene is important is it produces an enzyme that metabolizes, it breaks down anandamide. And uh, I, I don't know, for your audience, maybe it would be important if I uh, kind of give a 30-second overview of sure. the endocannabinoid system and how it works. Um, so the endocannabinoid system is a primary modulating system. And what it does is its role is to maintain balance, a homeostasis within our bodies. 
And the way that it does that, it gets signals from the other systems and sort of like salmon swimming upstream the central nervous system, it sends that signal to the brain and certain parts of the brain like the amygdala. And then it would say, okay, we need endogenous within neurochemicals to be excreted to help these other systems maintain that homeostasis. And the two uh, endogenous neurochemicals that the endocannabinoid system uses are anandamide, and the word anand means bliss in Sanskrit, and also 2-AG. And uh, so when you see this genotype, fa, so scroll down a little bit on your report. So it tells you that uh, you may experience more anxiety when stressed. So what happens in stressful event is, uh, among other things, but just kind of simplify it. Let's say that you're walking down the street and a car almost hits mm -hmm. you. So you have all these uh, chemicals that are pumped into your bloodstream. You have some adrenaline, you have some dopamine, you have some norepinephrine, you have some cortisol. But then when your brain realizes there's no lion chasing the jungle, there's a couple of things that happen. There's a reuptake of those neurochemicals. And then you secrete other neurochemicals to get you back to balance. Mm -hmm. One of them happens to be anandamide. But when you have a genotype in uh, what's called homozygous, which is uh, the same two um, the same two letters, mm -hmm. basically nucleotides, because your your genes speak in a four letter code: a C, a T, and a A and a G. And the combination of those is your genotype. So that's your genetic predisposition. So when you have that, you actually are producing less anandamide than the average population. And because you're producing less, because you're breaking down more, that cortisol sometimes stays in your bloodstream longer because you're not producing enough anandamide. And if that's the case, you know, people come back and say, I have some pain, I have some inflammation. Well, you know, that, that can be an overactive immune response, especially in your joints, your ankles, your knees, your hips, your neck, that you can feel that. And over time, if you don't address this, uh, it can lower your pH level, make you more acidic, and you can have a, uh, it can actually start affecting your gut health issues if you have predispositions to that. So the idea is when you consume uh, THC, when you consume cannabis, THC that converts to delta-9 binds to your CB1 receptor and releases anandamide. So we can subsidize with that. The challenge is that because you have stress reactivity, you have uh, a predisposition to PTSD and slow rate of fear extinction, which I'll explain as well. Taking a little bit too much THC actually does the complete opposite. Right. It triggers the stress reactivity, all that yeah. stuff. So, you know, if, if you and I are smoking a joint at a party, let's say, and it's BC because you're not supposed to smoke a joint during COVID Clearly. and all that yes. stuff. So we're, we're politically correct when it comes to that. But let's, of course. let's hypothetically pretend that we are. So first of all, both of our heart rates will increase. Our hearts will pump faster because THC is a vasodilator, completely normal. Now, you, with your predisposition, can start feeling a little bit of stress. Also, because you have a predisposition to PTSD, what may happen is you can think to yourself, oh, six months ago or a year ago, I also had this happen. Now you're replaying that movie in your head mm -hmm. over and over, mm -hmm. so you exacerbate that even higher. And you also have a slow rate of fear extinction predisposition. And what that means is some brain tries to conserve energy. If we have a traumatic event, it takes that traumatic event and stores it in our subconscious. But when we have a stressful event, it can take that event and pull it back up. So like riding a bike when you're nine years old and maybe a car hit you on your bike. And it now you have a full-fledged anxiety event. 
So the idea is to mitigate that uh, and to be able to, instead of just using an agonist that turns things on, you want something that, of an antagonist that maybe turns things down. So the report that you're looking at has, it says you may experience more anxiety when stressed. Everything has a peer-reviewed reference of PubMed quality or equivalent to. If there is no peer-reviewed reference, we do not include that in a report. Right. It's dynamic because we have an algorithm that gets New stuff, other uh, studies as they become available. And we have a scientific board that looks at that. You can also compare yourself to different population groups, but this is the kicker. So if you scroll up a little bit, let's go into the suggestion. So the reason why there is a suggestion um, on a balanced ratio of 20 to one uh, to more of a uh, balanced ratio, high CBD, low THC first, because we don't know your experience with THC. Right. Uh, so when you, if it's my mom who's consuming it, she doesn't consume THC knowingly, she would start with a 20 to one and then titrate her way more to a balanced formulation. Right. So THC agonist, CBD antagonist. Yeah. Also, it's suggesting a certain terpene profile for you. So it's suggesting linalool and beta-caryophyllin. Terpenes are essential oils that plants produce. And in cannabis, terpenes, those essential oils, give it its smell. And they also work in conjunction with cannabinoids to produce an effect. So if you want to click on where it says response about ingredients, basically, and click on the word linalool right next to where it says cannabinoids. So it's suggesting linalool as your primary uh, terpene profile. Linalool is also found in lavender in small amounts. So linalool has been shown in studies to help lessen the anxiety hmm. that may be provoked by THC. So mm -hmm. linalool and there's studies associated with that. And the next one that it's suggesting for you is beta-caryophyllin. Beta-caryophyllin is found in clove and it's found in black pepper in small amounts, but it has an affinity for the CB2 receptor, which if uh, we recall, uh, is in your immune digestive system, et cetera. So it helps to reduce the inflammation that may be caused by that you know, cortisol level that's been there uh, before and also with uh, studies associated with that. So we can close that out for a second. And just going back to your report, I'm happy to uh, answer any questions that you have, but I want to also take you to the personalized wellness plan where it has those summaries in place. Uh, but I want to see if you anything of, that jumps out at you uh, first that is of interest. I mean, I'll uh, gladly bug you personally because there's clearly so much information that we could you know, go on a long, long time on this, but let me jump. Uh, where's the other one I should click? So click on uh, any of the reports. Uh, click on stress reactivity where you were before. Oh, no, I mean, was there like uh, the one where it kind of recommends specific things or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So click on uh, the, the variant detected again. I'll take you through that again. It's uh, stress reactivity. Oh, yeah. Or any one of them. And you see underneath the gauge, it says your personalized wellness plan. Right. So click on your personalized wellness plan. So there are five different wellness plans that are associated with symptomatic conditions, why you would consume cannabis mm -hmm. and where your genetics play a role. So this is your summary. Uh, it tells you the three genetic predis predispositions associated with anxiety. Uh, scroll down a little bit. Now we're getting into THC side effects. So there's two side effects that you have a predisposition for. One is impulsivity after THC use. And the other one is working memory impairment after THC use. Both of them aren't anything serious, uh, but just something to be aware of. Mm -hmm. In addition, 
you have some. Are you saying there's memory loss associated with THC? What? (laughs) (laughs) You guys are groundbreaking, man. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. I I, like what I, I'm looking for my glasses for a half an hour. They're They're on on your head. Of course. That kind of thing. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, you also have some sleep uh, genetic predispositions, which is bruxism. That's grind your teeth and insomnia. We just completed a study at CU Boulder with a correlation between the two. And it's interesting. If you have some anxiety and some stress during the day and you don't address that, it can come out in quality of sleep. Mm -hmm. And uh, so perhaps you need a daytime and a nighttime formulation to be a little bit different. So if you take any prescription medication, you can put in your prescription medication here and it'll tell you if there's an interaction. I usually suggest people don't consume their prescription medication together with the supplements anyway uh, with phytocannabinoids. Stagger your consumption. How long you stagger for depends on how you metabolize. Let's scroll down a little bit more. This is what we were talking about. You brought up a great point about metabolism of THC. So look at look at this. It tells you. So basically, there's a series of genes called cytochrome P450. Each one of those genes produces an enzyme that helps us metabolize different things. There's one for lactose. There's one for gluten. Now, these are specific to THC, CBD, and THC and CBD together. So when you're talking about an edible, like a gummy, for instance, Mm -hmm. usually most gummies are made with an isolated THC. And that would make sense if you're eating it. Now you're an intermediate metabolizer of THC, suggesting that you cut the dose in half. And we already talked about the 11-oxyhydroxide. But if you're taking CBD as an isolated molecule, you're an ultra-rapid metabolizer. Same thing with me. I'm an ultra-rapid metabolizer. So I have to consume two to three times the amount of suggested CBD. And you have to be really aware because sometimes that can be taxing on your liver. But if you're consuming CBD and THC together, how it's meant to be consumed, you're a normal metabolizer. So there is no changes that are suggested. So if you scroll down a little bit more, now we're back to your ratio uh, with cannabinoids and linalool and beta-creophylline. So if you click where it says display products, locate the products that match this formula right at the very bottom, what this will do is this will open up a marketplace. And the way that it works is we use certificates of analysis, which are basically test results from different products. And we show you what the percentage of match for that specific product is based on your genetic predisposition. Now, anything that's hemp-derived, 0.3% THC or less, you can buy online and get delivered in all 50 states. If it's a product that has more than 0.3% THC, like a product like that one-to-one over there, uh, it depends on the state, they're connected to a delivery service, et cetera. And if you wanna have one more thing I wanna show you on this, if you see uh, where it's the hand holding the heart, or where it says personal shopping assistant, uh, right in the bottom uh, in yellow, right there, personal shopping assistant. If you click that, this is a way to get a shortcut to other uh, genetic predispositions that you are, uh, that you may have. So we saw sleep, right? So you had some sleep predispositions. Mm-hmm. So if you scroll down a little bit more, the very last report says support sleep. So you can see, click on view all matching products, so it'll change your product suggestions and it changes it to a cannabinoid and terpene profile based on that symptomatic condition where you want to gotcha. get. And on all the way in the left of the report, it actually has different categories. So say, you know, you want to you find flour instead of uh, a tincture. If you click on flour, 
it'll show you. And by the way, the whole thing with strain names, it's a bunch of bullshit because strains, the names don't mean much. You're looking at cannabinoid terpene profile, mm -hmm. but we're trying to get as close to that as possible. Of course. And the way that it's done, if that, that cultivar, that strain name Mimosa, for instance, if you click on that, that's connected to a database uh, uh, in, yeah, the, the one that, the one that uh, the one that actually uh, has says mimosa, which is the 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 one that's next to that one, right there. Yeah, so that one is connected to Leafly, Leafly as an right. example, yep. which is a database of different uh, you know strains, etc. And I can tell you which dispensary closest to you, Geofence, will carry that specific cultivar. So that's what we do now. The second part of that that I didn't talk about is feedback. It's, mm -hmm. it's one thing to make a suggestion and have an algorithm that suggests something, but how do you know that it's actually working for you? Right. So we have these labs set up and we have biometric devices like the one I'm aware, which is called our EndoLink device. So basically when you are in one of these labs uh, and it's for sleep, for instance, we can actually suggest a protocol, measure the efficacy of that protocol using biometric feedback and then the machine learning algorithm can actually make better predictive inferences. So we can really hone in on reviews, like people like you. I, I even I'll tell you how I even came up with this whole thing because I was trying to get ski pants on, on Amazon for me, my 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 buddy. We both we both bought medium. So I'm 5'8, maybe 175 pounds, maybe a little stocky. He's uh, about 6'1, much skinnier. Well, we both wear medium. And I bought medium and he bought medium based on five-star reviews, but our body type is different. So my medium fit different than his medium. So I said, wouldn't it be interesting if we can start creating reviews or, or suggestions based on people's personalized feedback based on biometrics, et cetera, so we can start creating archetypes of people that are more like you. And that's really the goal. Man, that's a bit different from uh, the weed uh, found <laughs> by your neighbor somewhere that you try and see what happens. Yeah, there's a whole wild science to it. Well, thank you so much for giving us this whole science breakdown of the whole gig. I'll make sure to include the links in the episode note to it all. So for anybody who wanna, is curious about their DNA, THC, CBD interaction, they can check it out. My DNA needs THC. Yeah, well, maybe, <laughs> right? It's scientifically proven. Cool, my there man. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. We appreciate you. Funky music means one thing. That's the end of another fine episode of the Drunk Dows Podcast. Well, it's sort of a dichotomy there. We went from hard, complicated science, trying to figure out how to get the perfect blend of weed into your body, uh -huh. to mysteries of the mind and the soul. Indeed. And I think... Solve neither, but contemplated both quite that's nicely. That's the duality of the universe, right? Hell yeah. It's like sometime the... 
the perfect recipe is not a clear-cut one. You, it's that yin-yang mix of different things. You explore one side, you explore the other, you explore the middle, you explore a synergy that's 80-20, and figure it out. And once you do, you probably will have to figure it out again the next day. Of course, because you got to realize it's all magic anyway. We live in an interesting universe, to say the least. So we hope you enjoy another beautiful day on this round ball floating in space. And we want to wish you a wonderful day. Now let's go look at Saturn. What do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I Good shit. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dallas Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Danielli at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! All right, let's go to rehearsal. We're rolling this one. Oh.